Monday edition of the Uncoachables Pod, where uh, the NBA is just hitting shitstorm season. Uh, Bro, exciting times. The world, yeah, the world fell apart in over a four-hour period. From like <laughs> eight to noon, shit just started flying everywhere. Uh, it was, it's been the most incredible four to six hours of my life so far. Um, so yeah, like Matt said, welcome to the Uncoachables Pod. I'm Milo. You're here, and Matt on the other end. Um, I don't even want to waste a second, man. We we got to go right now before the news updates and we keep refreshing Twitter. So uh, I guess we got to start with two things. Number one, the free agency window is officially open um, and deals are getting done. Uh, one of the first deals that got done, uh, what was it, early Friday or Saturday was Schroeder to the Lakers for uh, Danny Green and the 28th overall pick in this year's draft. Um, good or bad trade for L.A.? good Schroeder's really yeah. good um they, they can't finalize it so la has to la has to pick for them in the draft and then they can finalize by trading the draft rights to that player to them um but i mean it's yeah. a it's a done deal um i think it's a really good trade for la actually danny green was well, not great for them but Schroeder's a very good player um i think uh i think he'll give him uh, having him and rondo um Rondo coming off the bench, I think that makes them a lot more deadly uh, at the point. Absolutely. And I mean, so two things, and I, I, anybody that listened to the early episodes of this pod could tell you that uh, I hated Danny Green. There were more Danny Green memes exchanged between Matt and I than anything else <laughs> um, uh, to start the uh, the, 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 the bubble. Um, so good riddance. But a uh, fun fact on Dennis Schroeder, in 2020 – he averaged 18.1.91 uh, points off the bench, which was the most points uh, for a sixth man coming off the bench. Um, another interesting little tidbit that I wanted to add in here too, it looks like the Bucks were kicking tires around on Dennis Schroeder before the Lakers got him. So um, obviously it's off season and, and we're going into the, um, we're going into free agency. So, you know, teams are, are kicking the tires on everybody, but I'm, I'm happy with this one. I think this is huge. And um, probably, I don't know if it transforms the Lakers, but I think it definitely gives them a viable off-the-bench option. And it also gives Rondo, like you mentioned, a little bit of time uh, to rest in between, you know, first and, you know, middle of second quarter or middle of third. And it puts a, the ball in a guy a guy's hands who can hit the three ball, unlike Danny Green, which is what we were missing in the bubble this year. Yeah, Schroeder's become a, he's kind of sneakily become a, a very good catch-and-shoot um, perimeter guy. And I, I think uh, I feel like not just the Lakers, but LeBron, more specifically, lost trust in Danny Green to be that guy for them now. Um, yeah, so I, absolutely. Yeah, I think, uh, and the twenty eighth pick, like Schroeder, is most likely better than whatever you're going to get at, at twenty eight in this draft, and he's better right now, which is when the Lakers want to win. They want every year before LeBron retires. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Well, you know, I think the the big question here is too is. Um, who advocated for that um who advocated for that um for that trade and 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 part of me wants to say that you know it was lebron being lebron again and um you know him getting his way with with you know things that he thinks need to get done um but the other side of it is i think probably this was probably this was back office that really wanted to get this done full well knowing that they had a viable option in a trade 
and they needed to act fast knowing that Schroeder was probably going to get off the market sooner than later. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure they, they, you know, talked to LeBron and probably Davis too, but yeah, I, I don't, yeah. I, they, they put this together themselves knowing they needed to put, get a little more reliable shooter um, and, and a better scoring, just a better perimeter scoring option. Um, and this was Absolutely. Pretty, this and seems it, like a pretty easy way to do it. And, and don't forget to add another one to that. Um, a lockdown defender. Um, I mean, I don't know a lot of guys that are, uh, um, that are better defenders than, than Schroeder is at his position. Uh, he doesn't give up a lot of points. He's generally a tough matchup for a lot of point guards. I think he's a little oversized for his position, which is really great. He's long. And yeah. like I said, yeah, he's long and he, he's a viable option for, for a lot of people. So I'm really excited with this. And, and I think, um, maybe come what June of next year, it might be the trade that defines the Lakers season. We'll know. I mean, it's too early to tell, but um, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Another done deal. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Tell, the, the, another done deal. The I think this is bigger than the Lakers one, honestly. For, yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, it moves. It, it's only bigger because there are a lot more moving parts than anything uh, else. Yeah. The contracts involved, I think make it, make it much bigger. And the, uh, well, uh, what Devin Booker did in the bubble also makes it, way bigger than uh than what it would have been at this time last year so if you haven't figured it out by now uh the rumor that cp3 or chris paul was going to phoenix has is official um the phoenix will get um uh the phoenix will get uh, uh cp3 and abdel nader uh, nader and phoenix is going to get ricky rubio kelly Oubre jr ty jerome and jalen lequeux um and the 2022 first rounder. That's right. I forgot about that. Protected um, 1 through 12, though. So we'll see if that actually. We'll see how. Yeah, we'll see if that actually changes hands in 2022 or, or, or moves back. Depending. Dep- right? Yeah, depending. But they do get a first rounder eventually. So here's a quick note on um, CP3. He's owed $41.4 million this coming season and 44.2 in 21 22. Um, so basically that'll leave the Suns short of max cap space in 2021. Um, they could have, preser- you know, they could have gone after a younger guy. Um, but I think probably adding Paul is a win now gamble. And I think it, it really kind of rubber stamped um, for Booker that Phoenix is serious about contending in the West. I think this is probably, I mean, it's early, right? It's literally day one, eight hours into our first day of, of, a free agency. I think this is probably the probably going to be the trade that wins out, um, short of you know Giannis going somewhere or, or you know Harden or Russ going somewhere. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. But there's definitely some. A, it's the NBA. There's probably going to be some surprises that nobody ever expected. You, you never thought this guy would move to this place. Um, and B, you got names like Gordon Hayward flying around out there. You got Russ and Harden. Um, the I don't think Giannis will get traded before the midpoint of the season if he is going to get traded, but you never know. Uh, maybe somebody makes some. Maybe OKC trades one of their seventeen you know, or some of their seventeen first rounders over to Milwaukee. Uh, <laughs> I, you never know. Um, but yeah, so far this this seems like it. It's definitely going to be the the biggest early move. Um, probably pre early pre draft night move. Uh, I think yeah. we're going to get. Um, I, I don't know. I mean. You know, the the next thing, I guess, aside from this being a, a big move is, does this make does this make the Western Conference the most talented conference in basketball, bar none? Uh, yeah, I, well... I, I'm saying that 
I'm saying that as if there are multiple conferences in the NBA, but like I, I just feel like the the power dynamic here is is really just starting to demonstrate that no one's willing to leave the West, and it is probably way more competitive than the East. Well, Harden wants um, to leave the West because he can't win in the West. So. <laughs> well, okay. So since you brought it up, I guess you want to move in that direction. Uh, well, I mean, to answer the question, I mean the West is is probably better top to bottom, but the East is. East isn't the slouch it was when LeBron ran through it for a decade. Um, Toronto's really good. Milwaukee's, yeah, ran- yeah, Milwaukee's really good. Miami's really good. Philly is going to be much, much better. It, it seems like they're, they're intent on making a bunch of moves. Boston's really good. Brooklyn's going to be really good this year with KD back, and especially if they make a splash trade for Harden or somebody like that. Like The, the East is going to be really good. Atlanta's really good and, and young. Um, I still think they're a year or two away from being for real, but they're really good. Like it, The East is... is Certainly, they've they've closed that gap a lot. Mm. I I don't know. I feel like, depending on what happens with, um, with Boston over the next few weeks and 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 what Miami can get accomplished, I, I would agree with you. I do think that Boston's on a downturn, for sure. I, I don't think they're the same. They're the same competitive team that you know in the mid two thousands, um, were you know just getting to the finals consistently. I, I think, think you're right about Philly. They, I think they're kind of the they're opposite. turning up. I, I think they're. I think. Uh... Uh, Boston's, I don't think Boston's on a downturn. I do think they need uh, – I think they see it too, that they need some changes in that roster construction. Um, that's why you hear Gordon Hayward's name floated around out there. Like, I don't think he's incredibly happy. But they have uh, they have a great core of guys to build around with uh, with Smart, with uh, Kemba there now, with, with Tatum, of course, um, and with uh, the other kid, um, Jalen Brown. But they need to – they don't have mm. – um, I, they don't have a presence inside anymore the way they did when, when Horford was there for that season. Um, he was kind of, right. he's not, he's not what he once was, but he's, he's still a solidifying guy down there for them. And they don't really have that anymore. Um, Ty's played out of his mind, but he's, he's really undersized. Um, and teams seem to get him into foul trouble quite a bit in the playoffs. Like he, he, Miami gave him a pretty hard time. Granted, Bam Adebayo is going to give most guys a hard time, but um yeah, I think they. I don't think Hayward's super happy with his role there, and I think that they see that they probably need to tweak a couple things too to really get the most out of the core they have. My only concern is that Danny Ainge has sucked in the draft for the last five drafts, <laughs> and while he does pull off, yeah, I mean he 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 makes I mean, he, good moves. He, for, he got and, Smart Brown and Tatum. He didn't do too bad. Yeah, but and we're still. I think the jury's still out on them, right? Like I don't think we've really seen what the legitimate ceiling is for some of these guys. And, and it's going to take a while for, for a few of them to get there. My thing though, is, is that I, th- there's a world where the Celtics could look back on these four or five years and feel like they missed out on something big. And, and that's, that's kind of where I'm at with them. But to your earlier point though, I do think that that Philadelphia is definitely on an upswing, obviously Milwaukee, you know, Miami's a, a no question contender. I think this year coming out of the East, Brooklyn's going to be interesting. And I think we should probably talk about Brooklyn, given the news that keeps coming out of fucking Houston, um, which is absolutely insane. And Philly, really. Um, it looks like James Harden, you know, wants to be a contender somewhere else. Like Matt said, it looks like he wants to get out of the West so he can actually win a conference title <laughs> at least. Um, and his two destinations are Brooklyn and Philly, which I think let's talk about Philly first because it's a little bit easier to digest, right? And the, the, the trade that would have to happen in order for this to make sense is Simmons for Harden. Yeah, right? like I, I think, think it's it a straight-up yeah. trade. Well, I don't know if it'd be straight up. They, they'd have to the 
contract for Harden would probably make it a little more tricky. And I would imagine mm. Houston's probably going to want more than just Simmons. Um, right. Simmons, Simmons is great, but he hasn't necessarily proven a ton, and he's not exactly available a lot health-wise. Um, mm. So I, I think it would take more than Simmons to get Harden, but I, I do think that anything they do to get Harden would probably have to include Simmons. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. I mean, I mean, did we talk about it on last week's spot, or I don't know if we missed it, where you know, we're kind of at a loss about what's going on in Houston and, and how that, that, um, that franchise is slowly falling apart. But, you know, the way that Houston kind of let go of Daryl Morey and D'Antoni and all that other stuff. I think we, we mentioned it maybe in person. I don't know if it was on the pod, but like it is crazy to watch this fall apart so quickly. And I don't really think there's any redeeming qualities to what's happening in Houston right now, especially if those two guys leave. Um, they would have to make some massive player pickups in terms of like volume or personnel, right? Like it, it'd have to be a star like Simmons or they would have to get like, from Brooklyn, if we're going to talk about it real quick, I mean, Brooklyn right now has, let me see, I had the list right here. Um, Dinwiddie, Levert, Allen, Musa, uh, Kurix, Waller, Prince, Claxton, and Luau uh, Cabaret to, to offer maybe. Um, the real names that they're floating around, though, are Levert, Tarian, Prince, Spencer, Dinwiddie, and an unprotected first-round pick. That that would be what would round out a hardened trade. Um, either way, I don't think it looks good for Houston if, if they get, you know, what, three guys in an unprotected pick maybe i actually kind of like that that trade for houston um those guys are really good players that for whatever reason brooklyn just doesn't seem to want and i'm not really sure why (laughs) Um, i mean the problem with brooklyn is that they're not flashy enough man like you know spencer dinwiddie is not a flashy player no yeah i I get that torian prince is not flashy yeah i I get that they're in new york character doesn't exude (laughs) <laughs> poster kids they want poster they want poster players they want guys that they can literally put all over new york and be like this is our team they want to sell seats in jerseys. and if they get yeah, I, I get it absolutely absolutely and and by the way i mean having a big three in the nba again would be a lot of fucking fun whether or not it's functional is a completely fucking different question because i don't know how you get Kyrie, harden and kd on the same page all the time would they run through the east maybe I think it, there's a higher – it's a 60-40, right? Like yes to no. See, I don't but, necessarily um, think so. I don't – really? Yeah, you I don't, don't think I don't that think like, they would have the a tough time matching up with them? Well, A, Kyrie's going to be out for the year after about four weeks. So they're in, they're down <laughs> Kyrie already. So you go Harden and Durant, like they're great players. But if, you've, if you're paying all three of those guys, what do you really have around them? And I think there's, there's really good defensive teams in the East – that will that will slow them down enough to beat them in a seven game series. Mm. Like, uh, say they play Miami, you're putting Jimmy on Harden and Bam on Durant. Like, you're you're not stopping them, but you're certainly going to slow them down or put Crowder on Durant. More likely, actually. Um, Does do you think Crowder comes back if they resign Crowder? I think they Pat uh, Riley really really he's been pretty transparent about wanting to bring his guys back. I think he wants to make a move and get some something in there too to add in but he definitely wants to bring back a lot of his guys um i think crowder will probably come back Dragic is absolutely coming back as long as he'll probably take a little discount to come back um olenic took he took his option but i think if there's yep. going to be a trade i think olenic is probably what gets thrown into that trade 
Um, he'll, he'll probably be what gets floated around along with maybe uh, Duncan Robinson might get thrown into some of that stuff, depending on what they could get back. But uh, I, it's I, funny you mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny you're going here because you already know where I'm going. It's like you can read my mind. But yeah, I don't, I don't think um, uh, I don't think the Nets run through the East. I, I think there's 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 too much talent out there now, and there's there's some pretty good defensive teams in the East. Also, you saw with the Clippers this year about how a COVID shortened off season and and kind of a wonky season, like trying to fit a dynamic of of new stars onto a new team for the first time. Like it, it, you're going to run into a wall at some point, like some team is going to be better just because they're a much better overall team than, than you are with your individual talent. I would agree. I mean, if you're thinking about the Clippers as that example, I would agree with you, but I think it's also true because Paul George is garbage. Well, so, well, you're, like, you're going to run into the issue in Brooklyn though of, of, of Kyrie and, and Harden are ball dominant guards and that's how they play. That's how they want to play. That's how they stay happy. So how do you work around like Russ and, Har- Russ and Harden? Oh my God. Russ and Harden could make it work because they're, <laughs> they, they seem to be really good friends still. They played together before. Like they could probably make it work. Plus the way, the way Houston plays is, is a really wonky style with a bunch of guards anyway. Um, so, you know, they could, they could kind of make that work and get along, but I don't necessarily think Kyrie and Harden would really get along that way. Um, Kyrie seems like he's, he's a pretty awful teammate. Um, um well he's he's uh he's an awful teammate if they're not winning yeah so yeah but i, I think like, that, that, well, that's as soon a big as he problem gets frustrated him. he just kind of is like all right well fuck this team um so you know what, what happens if if harden dominates the ball and Kyrie doesn't get his 20 shots a game or whatever it is he wants and then you know they start having locker room issues because you know even though they're ball dominant guards like katie is still a top five player in the league that man wants his shots too and he should have his shots Absolutely. too so like I don't know. I, that's that's going to be. I don't think they run through the East because that's a really tough dynamic to work out in the in a short off season and a, a weird shortened season. Like I just, I don't think it's it, they're such an obvious pick for the top of the East. Well, what's crazy though is that the odds for Brooklyn as soon as this Harden trade was mentioned, uh, they went from like plus seven ten to like three ten. So you tell me what the fuck's <laughs> happening right now. Oh, um, I mean, they're going to get love in Vegas, but uh, I, I think in reality, oh, yeah. yeah, in in reality, that's a that's a tough ask. That's a tough ask to just For come sure. in and suddenly be the top of the conference when you when you have really good teams in the conference that have been together and are really talented like Toronto, Boston, Miami, Philly, Milwaukee. We'll see. I mean, so the 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 move right now that that keeps mentioned that keeps getting mentioned, which um, since you brought up your lovely Miami Heat, <laughs> is Hero Robinson, Iggy, and Kelly Olenek for Russ Westbrook and two second round 2021 picks. Nope. Now, okay, you need you're saying this as a Miami Heat fan, and I understand it. However, however, if you're telling me that you get Jimmy, Russ, and Bam on the same floor for 40 minutes a night, you're not taking that. Nope. It's not a winning team. It's not a winning team. Plus, I not just saying it as a Heat fan, but saying it as somebody who's watched Pat Riley work for years now and years he's not hero's not going anywhere uh duncan robinson is possible uh olenic yes icky if somebody really wanted him sure um but hero's not going anywhere first of all um second of all you get rid of all of your perimeter shooting on this team if you make that move and you get absolutely no perimeter shooting back with russell westbrook and butler's not a good uh, perimeter shooter either like it 
it's an idiotic move. It ruins the cohesion of the team. It ruins the style the team plays with. It's just not good. Um, I, I, don't, I, the move, I like I like this defense. Yeah, the move doesn't happen. I like happen. this defensive the, trade. Yeah, it's 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 not gonna happen. It it shouldn't happen. It's it's crazy. I mean, it 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 seems like there's uh, a lot going on in terms of of, of rumors, um, but one of my favorite. Um, one of my favorite rumors right now is as a result of the draft coming up in, uh, in two days, right on Wednesday. Um, I think that there's going to be a little bit of wheeling and dealing that happens between now and then, right? Like, you're, you know, these big moves or I mean, I'm going to say big moves, right? Cause it, it's still too early to tell, but um, some of the moves that are happening right now are, um, are interesting, but I think Wednesday's draft is going to get a lot of definition for teams that are going to get assets for players and I'm just going to rattle off one of my favorite ones that have popped up on my on my timeline from from a couple of insiders or whatever on Twitter. Um, so it's a three way trade, and I think I mentioned this to you yesterday. Um, the Warriors would get Lamarcus Aldridge and the sixth uh, the sixth pick. The Spurs would get Wiggins and Reddish with and the second pick, and then the Hawks would get Demar Derozan and the eleventh pick. Now, personally. I think whoever has that second pick is going to dish it, which is uh, um, Golden State. I think we've talked about this ad nauseum, right? Like they, they are, they would be dumb not to get rid of that pick. If they get it, and they get someone like Aldridge and the sixth pick, they can get someone who can bang underneath the boards and take a little bit of pressure off of, um, off of Draymond Green. The Spurs would immediately be replenished and probably end up getting James Wiseman plus Wiggins and Cam Reddish, which that makes them competitive right now. I think. Yeah, to and go then with the Murray, Hawks. I think that's would, a good thing for them. Absolutely, and then the Hawks would get Demar Derozan in the eleventh pick, and like you said, the Hawks are a young, viable team. Demar would bring a little bit of expertise, knowledge, understanding of the league, plus an eleventh pick who they could kind of groom over time to become whatever type of player they want, depending positionally what it is that they need. Um, that's one. What I'm also starting to see is that. Um, Gordon from Orlando is on the trade block as well. And Orlando has been shopping him around for the last, what, two weeks. Um, and one of the big destinations for him might be the Wolves, uh, which. That would be such I a Timberwolves move. Um, you're... To get Aaron Gordon in yeah, cat. No, I mean... no one that can handle the ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's get another wing guy that can't do very, much more than dunk. Um... Right. <laughs> Right. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, well, you hear Aaron Gordon's name out there a lot. Like, I just, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't see a huge market for him. I, like, an athletic wing that dunks. Like, I, eh, I don't see a big market for yeah. him out there. Like, I don't, and I feel like Orlando wants there to be a big market, and they want, like, a really good return for him, but I just, I don't see it materializing. Um. I think no. they're really, they're pressing hard to find something that could fit their their general existence, um, but realistically speaking, Orlando has been a flunky organization since Dwight left, and it's hard to get people to go to Orlando. I think, even though there's no state tax, right? Like it, it's hard for you to to really convince people to move down to Orlando because the franchise I think is kind of a, a disaster. But the flip side of that is too is like. If you're Minnesota, you have – I'm not going to say he's – he's probably, like, in the top 10 of centers in the NBA in Carl in Anthony Towns. You've tried multiple experiments with him to make it work. Wiggins hated playing there. 
Jimmy hated playing there. Um, who else was there? Well, Russell is he still there? Right. Wiggins was like, part of why Butler hated playing there, along with Towns. Like that 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 team had. Uh, <laughs> if you, if you listen to to Jimmy's take on it, they were lazy. They had very little work ethic. They thought they would come in and right. be good, and they just weren't. Um, they didn't really want to put in the work to be a really good team. It's tough. I mean, I really do. I, I think it's tough. It's a tough situation for a lot of different players that are definitely going to get dealt. But, you know, for the sake of all things being fair and even, um, Orlando's not a destination. Milwaukee's not a destination. I mean, not Milwaukee. I'm sorry. Minnesota's not a destination. Um, and there's one last anti-destination as well that I'd love to talk about, which was kind of a story last week that I think we kind of brushed over. Um, we talked about it four or five minutes when we saw each other this past weekend, which was um, Victor Oladipo. <laughs> Yeah, I'm still I'm still undecided if he gets moved. I, I, I can't decide if he gets moved or not. I don't know if people are going to want to pay that. You know, I'm sure Indiana's going to want some crazy price for him, and I don't know that teams are really going to want to pay it. I don't think that teams are going to want to pay Victor Oladipo. I also think that if you're an intelligent organization, which um, we've learned they're starting to grow in terms of like smart organizations, but they're still more dumb to smart organizations in the NBA. Someone will pay the money to get a guy who will probably jettison his career there if he doesn't like what's happening. Right. And, and for those of you that don't know the story, basically allegedly um, Victor Oladipo was basically asking teams if he could come play for them while he was in the bubble in front of teammates. Now, whether or not that's true, we don't really know his sister took to Twitter actually. Um, did I tell you what his sister's name is? Yes. Yeah. 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 Victoria Oladipo uh, went to, got to Twitter and did the side eye emoji and was like, I don't know who leaked the story, but um, I can't believe you would slander my brother's name or some shit like that. And then Evan Turner responded with the side eye, which I mean, I think it was definitely Evan Turner. That uh, goes without saying, because Evan Turner is like a team guy, unfortunately, uh, even if he is in Indiana. I mean, um, it's also of, probably uh, yeah. true. <laughs> no, I think it. I think it's a hundred percent true. But um, Victor put out a statement um, when he was talking to uh, the Athletic, and uh, he basically said, "I know there have been people saying that I've asked players to trade for me. That's not true. Period. I love my teammates. I cherish the state of Indiana, and I'm focused on leading this franchise to a title, which is exactly what you should be saying as an NBA player, right?" Um, especially one who I, played I college they, in Indiana and a state that like, right and Indiana is all yes. about their basketball. So uh, yeah, you have to say yeah. that, but I, I think, I think you're right. Realistically, like, you know, if he could go to a contender, uh, he's not saying no, <laughs> no, no, I don't think he would. And, and, and to, to, I think maybe this, this would probably be a little bit interesting for, for a, a couple different reasons, but I mean, if if the Spurs or I'm sorry, if uh, if if Houston can't move either one of those two players, um, I think you know a team like Brooklyn should look at a, a Victor Oladipo. I think he'd be a really great third fit in Brooklyn. I don't think he's a big market guy, but I do think as maybe playing more of a secondary wing position, he could probably get good looks for Kyrie and for KD driving to the rim and probably put up some points there as well. Um, I don't know what you would have to give up for a Victor Oladipo. I don't know what his contract looks like. I know it's, it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty large contract next year. Um, 
but I think it's a good fit for Brooklyn at least more so than fucking Harden or 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 Westbrook. Maybe I I, I don't. I don't know. I don't like signing any point guard if you're Brooklyn. Like I just any any big name point guard that is. I just I don't see. I, and this goes back to me not thinking Kyrie is a very good teammate. Like I just if you have a chance to get Harden, you have to go get Harden because he's Harden, right? Like as an organization, if you can get that type of player, you have to get that type of player, and you'll just assume you can make it work. But if you can't get him, like don't go out and just get another point guard because then you're gonna if Kyrie's head's not in it, then your team is is kind of shattered like you're not going to win anything um so i I think going out and getting another point guard is just not in their best interest if they're sold on you know making Kyrie and and kd work um if you're i mean if you're so gung-ho on that argument about bad teammates do you really think james harden and joel Embiid can exist together in the same plane uh yeah i don't i I I think so I, i think uh i do because it would be they each bring something that the other has never had um, for a team. So Harden had it briefly with when Capella was playing out of his mind a couple of years ago in Houston. Um, but Joel's never had a guy who can space the floor that tremendously for him, as well as get the ball to him at, at that. Uh, like that's going to free up so much space down low for Joel Embiid to be Joel Embiid. I, like it's it's he's never had that in Philly. I mean they they had what mm-hmm. Redick was their outside shooting. Um and they, they had some other yeah, guys yeah. uh they, you know they had some other guys who could shoot a little bit but like nobody with Harden commands a double team. You have to double team that man. And if you're double teaming him, you can't double team Embiid down low and that's like all Embiid's ever dealt with. So I, like I think they bring I think they bring exactly what the other one needs and wants and and probably has never had playing in the NBA. So I definitely think that that would be fine. Yeah, I I understand where you're coming from. I just feel like Joel has been, and this is going to sound like such a fucking dumb guy thing to say. I feel like he's been like so fucking low-key toxic for that organization for so long. Like he's caused more problems than he's solved for them. In the playoffs, I feel like he's fallen apart multiple times and he's just given up. And I think bringing a guy like James Harden onto that team, while would be good for him, I don't think he would accept it as a good thing come the playoffs, right? I almost feel like he has Rudy Gobert mentality where, like, he should have the ball with two minutes to go or some shit like that. And it's just like, come on, bro. Like, it's not you. And and to bring in a guy like James Harden would solve that, but I also think it would build a lot of, like, probably just anger in Joel that he's not the man in Philadelphia. I think he'd be – well, I I want to think he'll be okay with it. Like, I don't know, obviously, but I think – I think he wants to win really, really, really badly. Um, he shed some of that quitter stuff, I think, a little bit in this in the bubble postseason here. Um, he had like one game where he kind of one or two games where he kind of disappeared in the second half, but the guy was exhausted. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he carried the entire team, and and you know the guy was playing out of his mind, um, trying to carry a not very good team um, right. to, to a playoff series win. So like you know, I, I get it. The dude got tired. Harden did the same thing. But I think putting them together, it, 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 it keeps them both fresher so that they can finish second half some games and things like that. And also, you know, I think, they're, I think their skill sets match well together. We'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens. It, you know, if the other side of this too, which we haven't mentioned yet, is the fact that um, Houston's more than okay to run it back with both of those guys this year. 
Yeah, um, so they're kind of in a pickle, could right? Be a... So if they, the, the, yeah. they're totally fine with keeping them, but a, are they happy? And are you going to be any kind of decent if you do keep them? B, if you're going to move them, you need to do it pretty quickly because you got to reload. Like, you you need to reload, and you need to make sure that teams still have things to trade and and can fit uh, these guys right. in their in their cap situation. So like. It's kind of a pickle. You kind of need to make a, a somewhat quick decision. Um, I think if you're going to get max return and, and, you know, make everybody happy and all that stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I like that you said, uh, I like that you mentioned good and uh, smart and dumb teams in the NBA and there's still being more dumb teams than not in the NBA. Because uh, that, that Golden State Spurs trade uh, with Atlanta, that would instantly be my favorite trade of the offseason probably because it's it's totally a win for all three teams. Yeah. yeah, Golden yeah. State gets their win now move in Aldridge instead of probably taking Wiseman or something at two. The Spurs instantly get younger and, and kind of reload a little bit. Um, and then Atlanta gets a good veteran piece to go with their really good young guys. So, like, it's it's total, it's a total win for every team involved, and that's probably exactly why it'll never happen because it makes way too much sense. <laughs> <laughs> it, it makes way too much sense, and it, it'll probably never happen. Speaking of, um, I, I forgot to mention this too. So speaking of drama in the offseason and, and free agency in the draft, the Spurs experienced another fucking hit to their existence the other day uh, with Tim Duncan leaving the team in very dramatic fashion. Um, in, in, in a letter that he left to the organization and the fans, he said that he just needed to focus on more than basketball. Um, excuse me. And that his personal life was now officially uh, at the forefront of his mind, which leads me to believe that Pop officially told him that Becky Hammond will take over that team next year. It's very possible. I mean, maybe the guy's got some in-house troubles that, you know, we just don't know sure. about. And then, you know, hopefully... Uh, hopefully Bro, but does a guy just... who dresses like Tim Duncan really have problems? <laughs> who knows, man? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to, like, dive into his possible personal life or anything like that. You know, hopefully he's making the decision to... Making the decision that makes him happy and, like, you know, does everything he wants it to do. But it is kind of weird to just kind of walk in and be like, I'm out, be... Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it was, it was surprising for a lot of different reasons. I, I mean, I do remember that one game that he took over when pop was ejected and it didn't end well for him. Um, I think they ended up, I think they had like a, a pretty sizable lead going into to the fourth quarter and they ended up losing by like five or 10. Um, and, and, you know, the post game interview was basically more centered around pop getting, you know, booted out of the game. But, um, Regardless, you know, you being 0-1 as an assistant that takes over for your head coach with a lead doesn't always look good either. Um, but I do think that that Pop is Pop has definitely pushed an agenda um, while he's been, you know, with the Spurs. And, and that is there needs to be more female involvement in the league. And, and you know, the, why shouldn't there be a, a female head coach? And I think he's going to be the one to, to kind of get that done first and, and set an example for the league. Maybe it didn't sit well with Tim Duncan. Maybe you're right. It is personal reasons that we can't really speculate on. But I just thought it was fucking crazy that like he literally walked away from an organization that he's been a part of for what, like almost 20 years. Yeah, that's part of kind of what makes it weird to just walk in and be like later on. Um, yeah, and very yeah, coldly I, too from, from all yeah. reports. But yeah, I agree. We talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, I think I think Pop's going to be the guy to kind of push some change um, when he finally calls it quits in the league. He's been doing it for so long. And he's 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 always been a big proponent of 
equality and, and you know, with everything going on in the world and, and in the league and the things that these guys care about, I, I think if anybody's going to do it, he's going to be the one to, to make it happen. Um, and also, like, he's right. Why shouldn't there be? Like, if you're good, if you're a great coach, you're a great coach. It doesn't, like, who gives a shit whether you're male, female, black, white, Asian, like, yep. you know, whatever. Like, who cares? There should be women coaching. If, if they're a great coach, they're a great coach. Yep. I agree 100% with that. And, uh, you know, to I think to a much larger point, it, it just makes the right? Like, and, and I don't think the NBA needs more fans, but for you to have Becky Hammond as the head coach of the Spurs brings in people who were Becky Hammond fans from the WNBA who now want to pay attention to her success. And, I mean, I think the 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 same thing could be true, you know, in a few years when you get your first, you know, I don't know if there's been a Hispanic head coach in the NBA yet, but uh, if there ever was, right? Spolstra is definitely, um, but there's some others. Is he really? I thought he was like Hawaiian or something. Huh. I guess Eric Spolstra, I mean, I thought he was like, you know. Uh, oh, he's, he's uh, <laughs> no, he's, he's part Asian, I think. Um, okay. I don't want to get this wrong, so let me, <laughs> let me double check. Yeah, you he's, do the look He's up. my coach, and like, I still... Yeah, you don't, you, man. Come on, bro. <laughs> all I know about all I know about uh, Lawrence is is that he's a small white man who doesn't call the plays on the bench. That's what I know about the head coach of the Lakers. <laughs> uh, Asian American, Asian American. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, but I don't. I mean, it, uh, Filipino, maybe. I don't. I don't remember where. Um, this is. It's. Yeah, awful I think you might be right to, there. It's awful for me to not remember where. <laughs> but I mean, just, just to go back to the bigger point, though, like you know, as the league starts to expand, it's 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 peripherals into different you know, cultures and markets, I think they're going to definitely find that there will be more success and more uh, viewership. Like, dude, imagine, and this is going to sound crazy, but imagine the first time if like they ever get uh, a Chinese coach, that's going to be like a billion people market, just literally waiting to watch what happens with that man. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it's, it's crazy to think about, but like, it, it's kind of like the future of the NBA to some degree. Um, one other thing I want to call out, which we didn't talk about yet, um, I don't know how to say this without like it being like super hyperbole or whatever, but is Sam Presti's the best fucking executive in the NBA, right? Um, I, I mean, I'm biased. I, I know st- you I love still Pat say Riley. Riley. I still say Riley. I think uh, Presti's good though. Like what he what Fuck. he's done there to to keep that team competitive after blowing it up, and then like even though you know he's kind of pissed at some of these, like Paul George being like, get me the hell out of here. Like, you know, he's kind of pissed about it, but at the same, like he's worked with these guys to find them the destination they like while still finding the best deal for his team. Like how many draft picks is that from now until 2026? Uh, either, either 16 or 17. Um, they could, they could not have their own pick one of those years. If it falls, between five and 30 which makes it really likely that they're not going to get that their pick that year so like that probably be 16 picks in the next what six or seven years 16 first rounders in the next six or seven years but Jeez. could be 17 if they're really bad one year i don't think i've ever seen a team do better draft work than okc i mean like i mean yes we can talk about miami and and what they got out of week or, or monday or, or thursday last week you know if the draft happened tomorrow is tyler hero the number one overall pick in this draft right and i think we both said yes knowing what we know now after the bubble but um i don't dude i i don't know any team that's put in this kind of work um since i've been alive at least to get 16 first round picks over the next six years 
That's fucking crazy. And 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 it will result in a championship. Like 2031 or, or 2021, whatever it is, or no, yeah, 20, yeah. 2031 will be an NBA championship year for the AC's uh Thunder. Maybe. I'm I'm not sold on that part yet. I think he's he's so the difference in the, the, the two ways, uh, like just talking about Riley and Presti is is Riley will use his first rounders to go get stars and go get vet guys who can help his team right now. And then he trusts his scouting team, his very, very proven scouting team, to go out and get undrafted guys that'll be fantastic, like Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson, for example. So he builds teams right. that way, where Presti is keeping his team competitive, but he's just racking up picks. Like, at a certain point, competitive, just like competitive or the seventh or eighth seed like isn't good enough. You need to turn those picks into, into stars. And at that part, he hasn't. He he's he still needs to do with all the stuff that he's amassed over the next several years, so I, I yeah. think I think he's still I think the jury's still out I think uh, he can create something like crazy in Oklahoma City whether he trades a bunch of those picks to bring stars in or or whether he just drafts a whole bunch of guys who turn out to be good or, or you know whichever method they want to do I think the next several years will be really um, it'll kind of cement I, his legacy I mean, one way or the other I think. I think he cemented his legacy as a good GM. I mean, if he wasn't in OKC, Oklahoma City could literally be what the now. You know what I mean? Like it could have easily have gone the other way, and, and we could have had two awful teams in 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 two sections of of the country that you know were very much you know running parallel paths. And I mean, not not for nothing. I think New Orleans has bypassed uh, has bypassed the Hornets. I think OKC has bypassed the Hornets. You look at Milwaukee, they've bypassed the Hornets. I think the only teams that are really walking on similar lines now would be Sacramento, um, Minnesota, and, and and the Hornets, right? Like, those are the three teams that I think are so similar in the way that they operate, and they're just so bad. Yeah, I mean, so I, I have two words to, uh, to argue that Sam Presti is not the best GM in basketball, and that's James Harden. Uh, that's, that was dude, that's, that's the, the worst trade in the history of basketball trades, and like if you have that on your resume, like you cannot be the best GM in basketball, and like I, that's why I say like the jury's still out. If he if he turns all these picks into a, a championship contender team over the next couple of years, then yeah, sure, he's a fantastic one, maybe the top GM in basketball. But as of right now, you still got that James Harden trade on your resume, and and Harden still playing in the league right now? Like no, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, it's it's fair but i think that the other side of that too was like james wanted to leave did he though i think i mean everybody and and i think this is kind of like the pr the pr muscle that really operates players but like the all-star game that year or the year before the trade was made all the rumors were that like he wasn't really with the OKC guys. He was kind of over being in Oklahoma City, which he considered a small market team. He wasn't really all that interested in, in, in what was happening. He didn't want to be a part of a, a, a building process in OKC. He wanted to go somewhere where he could win now. And to be honest, again, another fucking GM who I think does a great job in the NBA, Daryl Morey. Like, Daryl put up a fucking coup to get James Harden. I think Presti saw something that could be long-term, and Daryl Morey was like, we could win right now. And it I mean, worked out. Maybe. I mean, uh, not worked. I don't think. I don't think it worked out for Houston the way they thought it would. But it kind of sort of worked out. Yeah, I mean, they've been good, and he's certainly been. I mean, he's been an All Star and MVP candidate almost damn every year he's been there. So, 
But I don't know. That was uh, it's forever yeah. a stain on Presti's resume. I think. Yeah, I I mean we'll we'll see. I I think that Presti probably gets a nod for, depending on how it goes. If there's an executive of the, I'm sure there is. Um, I would I would definitely give it to him because I think he deserves it. And even even if think about it this way, if OKC goes to the playoffs with what they have right now and they get out of the first round, I still that's a, I still think that's a successful year for OKC. Yeah, I mean, the fact that they made it this year and they were as competitive as they were was nuts. I mean, they were projected to be, like, a 20-win team maybe before the season started. Yeah. So, like, the, the yeah. fact that they were as competitive and as good as they were um, was was fantastic. And, I mean, part of that's coaching and all that stuff too. But, you know, just, just having a, having that, that team there that works together and, and played that hard together was, was great. I'm going to mention two last things before we pivot away from from uh, free agency and, and just quickly talk about the draft since it's two days away. Uh, the first of which is, is apparently uh, the Lakers are trying to use KCP to acquire DeMar DeRozan. Um, well, I they, said this to can, you. They the can't other day. now. He opted out. Did he? Yeah, he, he opted. Fuck, he didn't, he didn't pick up his option. So now he's a free agent and it sounds like he's um, open to offers from pretty much anyone. Uh, so that, that plan is out the window for them. <laughs> Listen, bro, if it's Kuz and fucking Alex Caruso for DeMar, do it i think it's about time we get a crip in la Demar <laughs> needs to come to la and just you know do his thing um the other thing that i'm reading right now from actually it's is this crazy it's it's coming from um the spurs zone which is a, a big uh uh twitter follow for for anyone that's a spurs fan um lamarca jaldridge is on the block officially so uh i think if we go back to that three-way swing trade it could be a lot of fun come draft day um, but I, I don't see a future for Lamarcus in, in on the Spurs anymore. I, I feel like Pop is also kind of giving up on on him. He's just too soft, bro. So soft. Uh, I mean, his 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 better days are far behind Lamarcus Aldridge. Um, he's he's still a guy who can pick and pop for you. He's still a guy who can just provide you some size down low. But he's his athleticism isn't there anymore, uh, the way it used to be. I I mean, he's he's. He's in his upper 30s now, his mid-upper 30s now, if I remember correctly. He's still making mm-hmm. big money at the tail end of his contract. Like, it, uh, I mean, I, st- I still like the Golden State trade if they made that because he, he wouldn't have to be a, a, a you know, a 30-minute-a-night guy for them. Right. Um, and he could still help them win now. With and, and I think it would rejuvenate him a little bit, too, for one last, you know, one one last real run for his career. But, um I don't see a whole bunch of other teams coming out trying to give up a ton for uh, for Lamarcus Aldridge. I've seen the uh, the Heat were kind of pecking around a little bit there, but I don't think they're going to want to give up much for it because they you know they see the same thing and they also Riley really wants to keep the books as open as possible for for Giannis. Giannis, yeah. Which it's it's I mean uh, for anybody that's listening, if you guys are interested, there's a tradembaa.com I think is the website where you can do a trade machine and cap manager. Um, I was fucking around um, earlier today, or literally when I got back from from our uh, our our holiday together this past weekend, and uh, I threw one around. Are you ready, Matt? This is the last thing I'll leave you with before we move on to the draft. Okay. <laughs> okay. The Bucks would get Joel Embiid and a 2020 second round pick. Okay. The Sixers would get Clay Thompson, and the Warriors would get Giannis. And I think it would be Bledsoe. And believe it or not, 
the trade works out cap wise? Uh, I mean, cap wise, it works, but like, no. <laughs> uh, no. So they, I mean, they would give up Giannis for Embiid and a second rounder, while Philly would give up uh, and 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 Bledsoe. Does anyone want Bledsoe? <laughs> and then Philly, I don't know. Listen, man, I, I, we're get, about to find out. Wait, who would get Bledsoe? We're about Philly would get Bledsoe. Uh, no, 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 no. Golden State would get Bledsoe. So Golden State would get Giannis and Bledsoe. Mm-hmm. Why they're the only winners in this trade? Why would anybody? No, that no. Well, the Sixers would actually get a viable three-point option, which I think would be nice for them in Clay. Yeah, but they'd lose the best big man in basketball, like the most uh, dominant. I don't know about that. The, the big, most dominant the, non-Giannis force in basketball. Oh, I, maybe I, outside I, of Anthony Davis now, the way he played this past thank offseason. You. But like, thank you, I appreciate that. No, yeah, that's put not some respect a, on AD's name. And you got Clay coming off an injury. What? No. That's no. Yo, you say that though, but Brooklyn spent buku bucks on fucking Kyrie and uh, KD. Like Brooklyn, KD literally sat for a year, and they were like, "Bag." Brooklyn just bag. wants a bunch of cameras in their arena from ESPN every night because they're in New York mm-hmm. and they're tired of the Knicks being like the team of New York. Like that. That's. But the Knicks aren't even the. Te- they haven't been the team of New York for ten years. The not, only reason there are cameras in New York is because they suck that. But bag. MS, yeah, but MSG is still the destination, and it's the place to go if you if you want to go watch basketball in New York. Like Brooklyn doesn't have that yet. Like that 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 aura about them yet. And that's yeah. what this was about. Like, if they wanted to it's, keep a good team, a... they already had a good team, and they could be a playoff team already without going out and getting Kyrie, KD, and then trading uh, potentially trading half their good players away for Harden or whatever. Like, it's about being good, I sure, re- but it's also about being the destination in New York to go watch basketball games. Four things. I get it. I, I'm going to say this. Um, I had this conversation with someone the other day. Whenever you talk about um, it, you talk about Madison Square Garden, the one thing that you forget is that. There's very few things to do about around Madison Square that involve like food and bars, right? But the Brooklyn Stadium, while it may be out of the way, the Barclays has exponentially better food. And I want to say the ambiance is a little bit better around the Barclays than it is in Madison Square. Like Madison Square can get kind of fucking rough depending on what time you're leaving that fucking stadium, dude. Like I know it's right next to Penn Station and all that shit, but like I would take Barclays over MSG any day of the week as a native uh, tri-stater who's been to both of them a few times. Um, the only other, th- the last thing, again, this I keep saying the last thing, but th- I'm, I will say this, get on fucking, get on this goddamn application. It's NBA trade. Um, fuck around, send us your wildest picks and, and, and trades and, and, and cap workouts and, and tell me if it works out, because if it does, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in hearing this. Um, I, I also think that maybe uh, there's a world uh, where we see a bunch of guys get moved around, uh, which uh, includes Rudy Gobert. Uh, and that's all I'm going to say. You got anything else on this, Matt? No, no. Uh, you know, send them in. Um, he'll tell you Fuck around how, how out, cool right? they could be, and I'll tell you how terrible they are. Oh, they're probably mostly going to be terrible, <laughs> but I'm okay. I'm okay. Listen, bro, I got a pie in the sky. If anyone plays 2K, bro, you know how much fun these could be because you sit there on that computer and you're just like, okay, trade NBA. Tell me if this works. Um <laughs> So the latest coming out of the draft, which is this Wednesday, it officially uh, it looks like shooting guard Anthony Edwards out of Georgia will be taken number one overall, followed by number two uh, being James Wiseman, which is the uh, pick the Warriors should trade away, and the third being I can't pronounce his name, bro. 
Onyeka Oko, oh fuck, Okongu uh, out of USC. Um, so what changed? And that would put Lamelo. Uh, well, it looks like Lamelo could fall four to the Bulls, which I think is fucking hysterical. Oh my like, god, yeah, that, that team is going to be. That's what the Bulls need is another young guy who probably isn't very good. Yeah, no, it, I mean, it, it, what's going to be even funnier, though, is going to be, we keep saying this, that, like, the latter half of this draft is probably no fees or minimums it, only because, you know, you have more, you have, what's up, what'd you say? Oh, I uh, started playing an ad right in the middle of your talking. Oh, no, you're good. Um, <laughs> the only thing that I could see being potentially good about this draft, and, and I keep getting, like, mixed, uh, mixed views from everybody. It's just like, oh, well, you know, um, this draft is not as bad as people say next year's draft is exponentially better, but there are players that will fit roles in the NBA. I agree with that. Right. But the fact that everyone keeps saying it's not as bad as we think it's bad because there are no solidified top five picks. I think James Wiseman is the only guy that you can really be like, that's a freak of nature. I need that on my team. Everybody else has been so interchangeable. The, the fucking top five has changed like six times over the last like three weeks. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm still like the only guy I think I'd really want at the top of the draft is Wiseman. Like, I don't, I don't think that's changed any. Um, I don't know. Like, uh, if, if you're not gonna go, I, uh, I don't know. The problem with Minnesota at one is you have a point guard in Russell, and you have like a cat, so you can't go Wiseman either. So like, they're kind of stuck, right? Taking a shooting guard. I, I mean, I guess that's yeah, I, I guess guard. that's why yeah. they're thinking Edwards, but like maybe float the pick around and see what you could get. I mean, Russell, yeah, because Russell I think and Towns are, are like Russell's good, and Towns, I I guess is good. I mean, everyone's been saying how great he is for years, but he's it's it's like uh it's Kevin Love, Kevin Love syndrome if, where you're just the best player on a bad yep. team, like uh, you know. So maybe I don't know. If they trade that pick, Wiseman goes number one in my. I feel like if they trade the pick, Wiseman is literally first. Yeah, uh, I, I need thirty seconds because I'm gonna piss my pants. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I I've agree, been in though. a car for four hours. I agree, though. That's why they, um, if they're going to trade the pick, I think they would have to trade it to a team that is probably in love with Wiseman, um, needs a center, uh, wants Wiseman, and wants to take him number one. I don't think you can trade that pick saying, "Hey, Anthony Edwards will be here, or Lamelo Ball will be here." Um, uh, despite the fact that Ball has had some really good workouts for some teams, but uh, I think, uh, to me, Wiseman seems like the most likely to be a sure thing here. And if you're going to make a trade for the number one pick, you're probably going to do it uh, to a team that is in love with Wiseman and wants to take Wiseman at number one. Uh, that being said, if LaMelo falls to three to the Hornets... Uh, does he really fit there either? Um, ugh, I don't know. What do you think about Lamelo? Lamelo at three to the Hornets. Uh, <laughs> that was my response. <laughs> Lamelo at three to the Hornets, and they have who do they have? Like most people have, what's his name coming off? Yeah, I mean, you're you're basically hoping you find a star. You're you're just hoping he becomes a star, right? If you're the Hornets, like they just need something at this point. Yeah, I think that, but like, mm, here's the thing though, right? Like how many good, 
at six nine, I don't think you're a center, right? But you're two hundred and thirty five. That's cool. Um, there's a world where you grow what an extra two inches or something, maybe over the next two years, um, that bump you up to six eleven, six ten, and you're still at two thirty five. Ideally, um, you can get a dominant big man. Dominant. I'm going to use that in quotes because we don't know what he is. But um, we could get a big man that could potentially work for you long term. The problem with Lamelo is is that shot is very erratic. Yes, he's a great floor spacer. He can pass the ball well. I just don't like LaMelo Ball, not because of the name, but rather because of who, like just just his DNA makeup as an NBA player, a potential NBA player. I think it's too much baggage. It's too much bullshit. I, I don't, I don't really see this. Um, I don't really see, I don't really see that working out for them. I honestly think a lot of teams, there are rumors that LaMelo could fall as far as, eight, which which would put him literally in the laps of the New York Knicks, which would be the most Nick thing to do to take LaMelo Ball. Um, but oh, it looks no, like he's not falling that far. That's not going to happen. I, the, everything, I don't know. His size, his ball handling, like everything about him minus the, the kind of sporadic shooting shot. Is, is is better than anything else in this draft for the most part. So he's definitely not falling that far. Like they, these teams are bad and need a star badly. So, you know, teams like the Bulls or the Hornets would snatch him up hoping that they strike gold and he develops a, a very consistent shot. Yeah, I mean, by all accounts, it looks like Obi Toppin is the Knicks' guy, right? Like, you know, uh, he was a redshirt sophomore um, coming out of Dayton, and, and he was the uh, the stuff. Listen, I, like he's projected at five right now to Cleveland. Yeah, I I saw that interchange with the guy from Killian Mays uh, or Killian Hayes from from France. Um, I've seen Obi and Killian flip a couple times, um, but we'll see. I mean. The big thing, though, and, and and this goes back to what we kind of led at the top of the show with, right, which is come Wednesday, deals will be made, and I think boards will change very quickly for who goes where. And I'm going to be curious to see exactly, you know, um, what kind of moves get done because if, if like, that, that three-team swing that we talked about, right, Warriors, Spurs, Hawks, if that happens, that second pick going to the Spurs, you should probably still take Wiseman at that spot. Um, and, and, you know, if, if Minnesota trades that number one overall pick, which I think they might to get an asset, I think Wiseman can go first again. So, um, there's a lot up and down in, in, in what we can see from the draft. I'm going to think that the next two days are going to be a fucking whirlwind and keeping up with it is going to literally make your fucking head spin. And, and <laughs> I'm okay with that because that's what we need from the NBA right now. Yeah. It's weird that it's, it's probably the, the least like, uh, like the jump off the paper at you talent draft, but I personally think it's going to be one of the more fun drafts to keep up with and, and watch just because of all the craziness that's that's likely to happen. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, of course, that means I'm... there'll be like one trade and nothing else happen on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm good on the NBA. Do you want to, you want, you got anything? No, I think we can, we can move on. We'll have a lot to talk about Thursday after the draft. Um, yeah. I might, I might hop on the channel and maybe, um, I don't know if you want to give the discord away or if you want to host me on Twitch, but I might do a live draft, um, thing. I don't know if you want to join in or if you want to take the night off on Wednesday, but I'm, I'm considering doing something for the draft only because I feel like if the top 10 go through and there are like two fucking deals made, I'm going to turn the shit off and just go to sleep. <laughs> but, um, if it's a wheeler dealer draft, uh, I'm going to be curious about, about what happens or if the trades happen for the picks beforehand on Tuesday. I'm going to have like a lot to fucking bounce around with and some ideas to see where people are going. Okay. Yeah, we can, um, we'll talk about it. 
live draft stream might be fun. We can, we can, yeah. We'll, we'll, I think it would. We'll, we'll discuss. We'll think it over. We'll discuss and we'll announce yeah. on uh, we'll announce on on social media and, and whatnot. Um, we'll shoot it out there. What we come up with, yeah. All right. So we have uh, yesterday football wise was maybe maybe the most frustrating betting day i think we've collectively experienced together um <laughs> but it was a i mean it i don't know how else to say this but it was probably one of the best i think football days probably i think this was probably the most entertaining week of football we've had thus far um since the season started um probably some notable headlines from from this past week um were drew Brees going down uh, with probably what looks like maybe two or three broken ribs. Oh, so they announced um, a few minutes ago, actually. He's got uh, broken ribs on, on each side and uh collapsed lung. Fuck. Yeah, well, that puts Jameis as, as, as the starting quarterback for this. Yeah, you got to so. think they'll probably roll with Jameis as opposed to, to Taysom Hill being full-time quarterback. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I You know, the other massive headline, which I'm sure everybody saw, uh, was uh, – Mr. I, DeAndre Hopkins, pulling out a fucking Hail Murray out of his ass to 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 beat the Bills. Um, that that was absolutely insane. What and an I absolute think, monster. Yeah, no, it was, dude. Probably, I mean, I've you've seen a lot of fucking Hail Marys throughout your years playing football, I'm sure. Um, but that one was probably one of the most impressive ones, only because it was triple coverage, and he caught it at the peak of the ball. Murray was what with ten seconds left extends the play and just chucks a fucking yeah and, a, and not only extends the play he's a right-handed quarterback moving to his left rolling left yep 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 I agree with you I mean it was I I've never seen anything like that I mean I've seen it a couple of times but I just thought the whole play was um it was fascinating to watch because you know you you knew Murray and the Cardinals deserved to win that game going into the fourth. Um, but Josh Allen out of nowhere found a rhythm. And when he threw that ball to uh, Stefan Diggs, I would, I mean, I was so excited because what did we have on that game? I think we ended up having, um, uh, Bills Bills plus three was the final line. Yeah. Yeah. Bills plus three was the line that we took on that game. And, and I mean, it was just, it was rough to watch, but I was very, it was it was impressive. The other headline from this weekend that I thought was really really interesting too was to watch the Rams beat the shit out of the Seahawks. That was that was ungodly. And then the last of least or you know the least impressive I guess was the Steelers just beating up on Joe Burrow and the Bengals thirty six ten. You want to talk about what happened this week betting wise? Uh yeah. Well, I, I guess first let me throw out that the, the NFC West is absolutely bonkers. Um, Rams Seahawks Cardinals. All good teams. I, the Seahawks have a historically awful defense, so I I think that they're probably the the lesser of those three teams. Um, yeah, and, and people, but people slept on the Rams because of how they only beat up on the NFC East the first part of the season, and then the Dolphins just shellacked them with defense. Um, but coming off a bye, they come out, they they hold Russell Wilson and the Seahawks to sixteen points. They win the game. They they tie for the division lead. It's uh, they have probably more talent than any of those teams, and if they can, if if they can get Jared Goff playing well, and if McVay can get that offense to a a point of balance where Goff doesn't have to try to to win every game with his arm, they can be really scary. Um, 
Their their defense is really good with with Donald and Ramsey anchoring it, and they certainly have the talent offensively to to do what they need to do to win games. Like I, I think they could be a pretty scary team if they can put it all together from here on out. That Seahawks defense is not what we I, I want to say grew up, but what we've been watching over what ten years. It feels so and weird saying they have an awful defense. It really does, but I don't. I mean, but they do. I don't think I've ever seen. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen golf look that comfortable in the pocket. Um, it was just. I mean, he was literally just stepping back three, four seconds, looking, surveilling, dropping little dimes here and there. Um, and then, yeah, like you mentioned, the defensive side of the ball is just so strong. I think the one thing that's really interesting about the Rams too is the fact that like they have the potential to be. I mean, you know, there are a lot of six and three teams right now, but I do think that they could win out that, that their conference or the, the division. I, I think they could win out the division um, where, I, you know, the, the only competition that you really have to look at right now, three teams. Uh, yeah. Three teams that you really have to look at right now are the Packers who could fall apart at any minute, considering the fact that all you have to do is just guard Devontae. Um, and then you have the saints and the bucks. And then after that, I mean, the Cardinals, the, that's really what you what you have to look forward to uh, in the NFC. Everything else is a fucking disaster, man. Like I, I don't even know how to really look at the NFC without going. I don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't know. Because like I mean, viably, right? Like if you really put a gun to my head right now, the Rams could go to a Super Bowl, the Bucks could go to a Super Bowl. And that's about it. I, I I don't I don't see anybody else really making that much headway in the NFC. Yeah, I think uh I, I think with the Breeze injury, I think the Bucks and Rams are probably the best two teams now in the NFC. Uh Green Bay I don't think is I don't know. I like I don't want to ever count Aaron Rodgers out, but like I, I think the Bucks and Rams are just better. I think they're better teams despite the record, you know, despite the Packers being a game better than they are record-wise. I mean, mm-hmm. if 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 Jalen, you know, if if they play in the playoffs and Jalen Ramsey slows down Devontae Adams, and you know you can't run the ball on Aaron Donald and that Rams front, what do, what do the Packers do? Because their defense isn't great either. Like I just I don't right. know. I, and and the Bucks, if they ever get the if they ever get that thing to click, like if they ever play as well, they played the second half great on defense. Um, and then, you know, Carolina's offense is also pretty terrible, but they, they put up a bunch of points, a bunch of yards yesterday. If they can get the offense to click and play defense for a full game, uh, they can be scary and easily the best team in the NFC. So I, th- I think those two teams are, are definitely better than, than Packers and uh, Cardinals and, and now the Saints. I, I would have I put the Saints up there, but with the Breeze injury, I'm not real sure what they're going to be or, or who knows how long he'll miss. And I don't know. No, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's going to be six weeks at least for for um, for Breeze. I mean, I don't, you know, a collapsed lung and, and, and broken ribs on either side. That that's not. <laughs> it's not good. You know, not I, good. No, no, definitely not good, Bob. But you know, it, it it goes to show you though that the NFL, while being incredibly, uh, you know, predictable or whatever, can also be a fucking disaster, um, in terms of the way that you know that injuries happen. And, and it can change, it literally can change, you know, your stars very quickly. Um, I just, I mean, 
I want, I don't, I hate to say this too, but I also feel like if we're talking about conference wise, the NFL is going through an NBA process right now where the AFC is just exponentially better. Um, dude, I, I top to bottom. I, I think so. Um, the, I mean, the top, let's be real here. the top couple teams are, are pretty even like you got Steelers chiefs and, and, and bucks Rams. Like I, I think the the very mm. tops are the very top is is pretty even. I think top to bottom though the AFC seems more competitive. I think that there are more heartbreaks, and that's waiting I mean, to happen. To, to be fair, in the, the AFC the, playoff in the NFC. Yeah, so like look at the 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 fourth. So the AFC like the three really bad teams are Jets, Jags, Texans. But you look at the the next teams up. You got Chargers at two and seven. Chargers can beat a lot of teams on any day herbert's playing great like they're competitive not after this weekend i know the, not the, after this weekend they the can't. Bengals are typically com- typically competitive bro is gonna be a star i think broncos are three and six uh maybe they should you know they're gonna end up Get being the yeah they're gonna end up being one of the, the one of the worst teams in the afc uh once it's all said and done uh i think no not one of i think they are the team in the AFC. I don't think there's any question about uh, that. I mean, as sure, long as the Jets, the Jets and Jags exist, like, I no, the Broncos are not the worst team in the AFC. <laughs> Bro, but you know what, though? This is this is what's going to be funny. Like, we... The Jets have at least been competitive in games. We've lost three games by 20 or more points our last three weeks out. I mean, the, uh, really, the, the, Jets were, we the Jets were only competitive against the Pats, though. Like, they haven't been competitive outside. Well, and the Bills. But the Bills are... I. I you know my feelings on the Bills that they're they're pretty fraudulent. Um, I think I think the Packers are more of a fraudulent team than the. I, you know, like if if you will, if we want to start calling out fraud. Okay, fine. I'll give you the Bills as a potential fraud. I think I I'll fucking die on this hill and no one can change my goddamn mind. The Colts are a fraud. The Titans are definitely a fraud. Um. After that, dude, I have a hard time. I mean, look at it this way. The Pats at four and five have a shot, like, to to uh, kind of pull off a little bit of an upset to make a a, a, a wild card. It, it, it the worst case scenario in the NFC is what that the Giants at three and seven. It's just tough, man. I I, I really think the AFC is just loaded with more talent this year than they were last. Maybe I don't know. I mean, they do have the best team in football in the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, I don't care what the records say. Kansas City's the best team in football. When they want to play, then I don't. Very few teams can beat them on a given Sunday. Yeah. If all right, so let's let's just let's just go through this real quick before we uh we go into betting wise what happened this past week. Or do you want to talk bets and then talk about the playoff spots? Uh, I'm good either way. I'm good either way. Let's talk betting. Let's talk betting first, because I think this this could definitely play into what the results are for for, for playoffs moving forward. Um, I had so I didn't I wasn't able to get them in in, in, in Jersey uh, uh, for my federal agent that's listening into this uh, podcast uh, that's doing uh, COVID tracking. I was in Virginia this weekend, sir or madam, whoever it is that's listening, um, and I did not put my picks in unfortunately uh, for uh, the 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 games that I wanted to bet on, but I had, I had three notable one o'clock games um, that I, I looked at. Uh, I looked at Detroit minus three, which ended up being a push. Um, fuck man, up 14. And just to watch the football team come back and, and tie that game up was fucking infuriating, man. The prevent, How many D fucking, prevents wins. 
fuck, how many times did Washington and Alex Smith convert on third down or fourth down during that fourth quarter drive? I want to say it was like four or five. The NFL is so bad about this. Coaches get up by two or three scores, and then they just chill. They play all off coverage. They they you know they go full prevent. They just run the ball every time on offense and punt it. Like mo- a lot of these coaches just go so soft once they get up by a couple scores. And I think it's the dumbest thing because Washington almost came back and won that game, and they probably should have. But Detroit, uh, I mean, no, Detroit they got had outplayed. A, Detroit had a pretty good lead for a while. Like most of that, they dominated most of that game, and Washington almost came back and won that game. It's just yeah, I don't know. It's dumb. The other one that was an absolute fucking disaster was Cleveland minus four. Okay. All right. Let's just get this out of the way. Weather, much like it did on the Sunday night game, did play a little bit of a factor. I can I can understand that. That is fine. But for you to win 10-7 against a team that doesn't have Dick, aside from Deshaun Watson, and what their only other receiver is out, really, is fucking embarrassing and i said this to you i actually i picked them straight up last week and i said this to you the browns have more to win than the texans do or rather the browns have more to lose than the texans do and i think they're going to win that game outright and i would have taken them i would have taken them straight up if i'd been in jersey to bet on the game but i just could not fucking believe that chubb breaks a 90 yard run and then just what fell over at the fucking half yard line stepped out of bounds fuck that was a massive. That was, that was a massive break for Vegas. I mean, that was a. It was a well over a six-figure swing for most sports books. Um, I know William Hill had about ninety percent of their money on Cleveland to cover that. Um, yeah, that was a. Whew, and that and it doesn't that even make a, the thing is it doesn't make a lot of sense as to why he did it. Like you're only up three points. If you score, you put the game. Like it doesn't matter what Houston does. They're down nine, even if you miss the extra point. So, like, I don't – it doesn't make a lot of sense why you would do that. Um, I'll tell you why, because he has a bunny – he had money on the fucking <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs> on fucking Texas covering, I'll tell you that. That's exactly what that was. Huh. What was the stat that you said to me? What was it, 68% of of uh, road dogs have covered this year? Something like – or not just road dogs, just underdogs as a whole. It was, it was something like 68% of dogs have covered this year in the NFL – and part of that is because these teams are, are getting – some of these teams are giving up big lines. And, and like I said, teams get up a couple scores in the NFL, and these coaches, for whatever reason, just fucking stop playing. Uh, yep. Like, <laughs> um, well, but, yeah, a lot of dogs. The other thing, too, is, is a lot of teams like – so look at teams like the Bucks. So the public loves teams like the Bucks because they look fantastic on paper. But they haven't mm-hmm. covered – a ton of games this season you know the giants almost beat them like they got the shit kicked out of them in new orleans uh new orleans might have been favored a point or two there i don't i don't i don't remember um yeah i think it was like or two maybe the but maybe the bucks were two and a half i don't know no 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 it was new orleans that was favored two and a half but but some of these teams you have are like not consistently good but the public loves them because they're fantastic on paper and it looks like they should easily win so you know, you have a lot of favorites and a lot of lines being driven up, but they're not covering these games. Um, like Packers yesterday were probably a pretty easy pick to a lot of people, given fourteen at Jacksonville, and it was a four-point game. Yeah, you, you I, have, I mean, you have teams like Baltimore favored it pretty much every week, but Baltimore truthfully is not very good. Um, well, we'll get there. Let's yeah. <laughs> let's let's finish up the one o'clock games real quick. The last one I had, which uh, was Tampa at minus, it was it was five and a half. They fucking shellacked the Panthers. 
Um, I, you know, it also helped that, that Teddy Bridgewater went down, what, in the third quarter? Um, uh, it was, I, I mean, was the, the game was pretty much out of hand at that point, but, but yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, putting up, covering by 23 points is, is absolutely wonderful. Um, but I'll tell you what's not wonderful, going 1-1-1 one, one, and one, uh, in the 1 o'clock games. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, not a loss, but, you know, you lose a little well, juice. But, uh... You lose a little juice. The 4 p.m. games, though, saw us go 4-0. and um, And this was the first time I think I, I've ever outwardly, verbally said to you, I'm betting against the Broncos. Um, Vegas was minus 3.5. And they absolutely destroyed the Broncos. I think Drew Locke threw, what, three picks in that game. It ended up being 37-12. I'll go back to this. You may say that the Jets are the worst team in football. You could say the Jags or uh, uh, Jacksonville might be up there too. But fuck, the Broncos are bad. I would tank at this point if I'm them. I, I would just fucking throw the season away and go, you know, 3-12 and and see if you can get fucking – Trevor Lawrence. And yeah, then I would we, also fire John Elway immediately. Yeah, we talked about this yesterday. I, th- I think Elway's time needs to be done over there. He's just – he got lucky. He inherited a fantastic defense and a bunch of talent. And then he convinced Peyton Manning to come over and play for his last couple of years. And it, it got him a Super Bowl. But overall, Elway has been awful drafting. He's awful at bringing talent in. Like I just, I, it, It's time for them to go a different direction there. Um, I'm sure it's going to be tough because you know they love – obviously they love Elway – you know he's, he's he's the golden boy there but just no it, it's time to move on there he's failed enough in the draft like your team has gone backwards enough where a change is needed um yeah, but yeah, yeah vegas is uh the, the raiders are I, i've been saying this for weeks on the pod but the raiders are sneaky good they don't they're not great defensively and i mean they're really not superb offensively either but they've got some talent and they play hard um uh, they're they're sneaky good. Gruden might have tapped into something this year finally that I don't think he was able. To hear yeah, I mean they, they got some receivers there too. Like they got some guys who can. Uh, first of all, Josh Jacobs is a fantastic running back, and he's kind of opened opened it up for Derek Carr a little bit. Um, but they they got some guys who can catch the ball out there too now, since they got rid of Amari Cooper a couple years back, and uh, I think Carr is playing playing pretty well. And uh, yeah, I, Gruden's got it together out there. They're 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 pretty good. Next up, we took minus seven with Pittsburgh, um, just beating the absolute shit out of the Bengals. I don't, can I, I know this is going to sound crazy. If there were, if I had three locks this week, the first of when, first of which would have been Detroit that fucked me. Fine. I'll, whatever it is, what it is. The second would have been Ve- uh, Vegas at three and a half. I don't know where Vegas got three and a half from with Denver going to Vegas. And the last one would have been definitely Pittsburgh at minus seven against the Bengals. Um, I appreciate Joe Burrows's effort. I just don't think he's that good in his first year. Oh, he's I, he'll well, get better. I, I disagree. I, I think he's already he's already really good on a bad team. He's uh, he's going to be a star. But uh, I, this week they had the misfortune of meeting Pittsburgh after Pittsburgh uh, had that debacle against Dallas last week. Uh, Pittsburgh was going to demolish whoever they played this week, probably. Um, so I, I think they just they ran up against a pissed off a really good team at the wrong time. And uh, they, they certainly paid for it on the scoreboard. This was, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, in my opinion, the first convincing win from Pittsburgh all season. Uh, no, they've had some uh, – let me look at their, their things here. Um, well, I, just I mean, mean, they have played – they've played a lot of close games. Um, 
Other this was just, the first time they shall yeah they shellacked a team. I feel like uh they beat Cleveland thirty eight seven with a healthy OBJ Cleveland they beat Cleveland thirty eight seven. Um, I mean Cleveland that's fair. Is it, Cleveland's Cleveland. Um, what was that week three or week two? That was uh six or five five. I'm sorry. Week six. Oh, okay. Week five. What am I thinking? Of? Okay. Yeah, I'm and there some of their game. some of their scores too. Like like looking at their final game scores are kind of misleading sometimes too because they've gone up big in a lot of these games and uh, again because it's the Prevent NFL defense. they let off the gas defensively and these teams kind of sneak back in it. Um, so you know don't don't I wouldn't pay too much attention to the final scores on most of their games. Um, like Tennessee Tennessee's a really good example. They were. Pittsburgh was up like 27-3 or something like that, and then they just kind of were like, oh, we don't need to play defense anymore, and the Titans almost you know, ended up being a 27-24 game. But it, the, yeah. whole, the game wasn't as close as the score was, for example. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> um, moving on to our third win of the 4 o'clock games. Uh, L.A. just – we were just talking about it. It's crazy to talk about the Seahawks like this, but – Taking LA at two and a half seemed like kind of a lock. Kind of. I'm not going to say it was a lock, but kind of a lock. Um, Goff had two weeks to prepare for this game. McVay and uh, Don, like everybody looked healthy. Everybody looked ready to go. I know the Seahawks were coming off of kind of like an embarrassing game. This is back-to-back games that they've lost, I think, in 31 games. So it's it's been a while that they've lost two games back-to-back like this. Um, but 23-16... Uh, another win, and and I'm gonna go out and say this: maybe a Super Bowl contender in LA. Maybe I'm not ready to fucking rubber stamp it yet, but we're getting real close with that defense. Yeah, Thursday on our preview, I think I picked Seattle, um, and I, you know, I used the argument that that Russell Wilson was coming off a bad loss, and uh, I, he was gonna come out pissed off like the Rams aren't. They they haven't played well yet, um, and I I just I picked Seattle just because Russell Wilson was coming off a bad game, but. Uh, you know, we were talking about it Sunday morning and I ended up staying away from this game because I was like, you know, the more I think about it and the more you look at stuff, like I kind of like the Rams, but also yeah. I pick Seattle and I also kind of like Russell Wilson coming off a bad game. So I ended up staying away from it. Um, but yeah, it ended up being uh, less competitive than I thought it would be. Yeah. And I think the really interesting thing about this Rams win in particular was the fact that this was the first week I haven't watched a lot of them. I think I've caught maybe a total, but of, of what I've seen this year, to your point about teams taking the foot off the gas, it looks like the Rams want to keep their foot down all the time. Like they want to run through teams defensively and offensively. And it almost like they overcomplicate the game. Like McVay kind of goes through analysis through paralysis syndrome, kind of with his teams. And um, it, I think it happened in the Super Bowl a few years ago where, you know, it was, it was kind of like the same problem. Right. And, um, this was the first time where I think all of the ingredients worked really well together. Um, the running game looked good. Golf looked comfortable. The defense just looked absolutely beastly. I think maybe we can we can do a quick chat about next week. I'd rather do predictions on Thursday, but I'm thinking the Rams might be looking pretty good next week as well, um, only given the fact that they're – where are they? Are they off next week? No, uh, the Rams are playing the Bucks, which – that's going to be a fun. That's going to be a fun one next week. That that could be a fun matchup. Uh, they're traveling to Tampa, so I, I think that could be like the big prove it game for for Goff and McVay and, and that defense to see if they're uh they're really what we think they are. Because beating up on a bad defense in Seattle, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's going to be a pretty good Monday night game for sure. 
Uh, last game from four o'clock, New Orleans at minus 10 versus the 49ers. Sneaky cover, uh, 27, 13 with the final. Yeah, Sneaky. I was, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I mean, obviously you never predict injuries, but I was kind of, I was kind of wary of, of giving up all those points with New Orleans anyway. They're coming off a big win from the Bucks. They're, they're, and, uh, San Fran is getting a little, they don't have Kittle and, and Garoppolo, but Mullins can play and they were getting some of their receivers back, um, off the COVID list. Like they got Ayuk back, um, for example. So it's kind of a, uh, kind of a sneaky spot there to take a dog. I, well, I understand why you'd want to take the dog. I, it, it made sense when we talked about it. My only thing was, is the saints haven't looked, the saints have looked very up and down this year. And if there was a time to, to kind of string a couple of games together, it, it, it was going to be, um, it was going to be this week. And, you know, after beating the fucking bucks, 38, three going against the 49ers team, that I thought was remarkably weak. I know Kittle's missing. I know Garoppolo's missing. And yeah, they did get some receivers back. I don't, I think Mullins is a serviceable backup, serviceable, but not against, not against the Saints. I, I you know, New Orleans at, at 10, I thought was a little high, but once we started looking at that game, I was like, fuck it, why not? You know, I, I would, I would, you know, I swung it that way and, and, and it, it was what it was. But um, the only, thing really that that makes next week very difficult for them is going to be no true breeze yeah i mean what are they going to be now without breeze um james could sling it but you're going to be a little more turnover heavy like you're going to be a little more turnover prone now with james that um, defense is going to be on the field a lot. i will say i actually think the offense opens up more with james because he uh, the dude has a cannon and he can sling it so i, I think i think you're going to see I think you're going to see the the passing offense open up quite a bit more as opposed to just, you know, nine yard crosses to Michael Thomas all game. <laughs> um, but I, 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 I think weirdly enough, I think Jameis being in there may make them a little bit more dangerous offensively, despite the fact that there will probably be, you know, some more interceptions thrown in there. But if you, yeah. if you can open up the passing game and, and the deep passing game specifically, you open up the box for Camara even more like that. That yep. makes them scary dangerous. Like, who, by the way, might be in MVP discussions now officially. Maybe. I, that, that, they're going to be dangerous. They're going to be dangerous. Yeah. And finally, uh, the monsoon game, I guess, is, is as I will forever fucking call it. Because <laughs> I didn't, I don't know about you, but I wasn't able to see the last two minutes of that game because the rain was fucking off. Oh, it was nuts. At Stadium. Dude, that was wild. Um, that was a loss. Baltimore minus seven. Um, I took them, and the Patriots ended up winning twenty three seventeen. I think it's official. We can officially say uh, when Lamar is down, he just starts zeroing in on his fucking receivers, and any intelligent corner, any DB can just look at his eyes and be like, "Oh, okay, I know where it's going." He should have gotten picked off at least three times if it wasn't for tonight. Yeah, once I mean, they went down. Uh, weather's a factor, of course, but like New England is not a very good team. They're they're. The Jets put up 27 on them. Like, you know, New England's not a good team right now. They don't have a ton of talent on either side of the ball currently. And Baltimore just looked lost. You know, of course, the weather was impacting that a little bit. But I'm getting more fuel for my Lamar Jackson is not a good quarterback argument. I've, I've been screaming it for a long time. When he, when, when he can't hand it off successfully 30 times a game or he can't run it himself successfully 10 to 15 times a game and 
he has to rely on his arm to win a game, they're never going to win that game. It's not going to happen. I, I just don't think he's a great quarterback. <laughs> he's, and, uh, I mean, I, I, for, for all the I comparisons everyone too. likes to make to Michael Vick, like maybe he's Vick with his legs, but with his arm, he's 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 never been close, and he's not going to be close. I mean, I didn't think – I mean, there wasn't a world where Bill Belichick was going to get run on 190. You don't go back-to-back 200-yard games against Bill Belichick. I, I hate to say this. And, and, and not for nothing, you know, Singletary, Moss, and Allen are not exactly the the biggest fucking rush threats in, in the NFL, right? Like, you, you feel a little bit more comfortable looking at Lamar and, and his running game in, in Baltimore to say, okay, this is a little bit more dangerous than whatever's coming. And Bill Belichick just fucking figured it out real quick. I mean, I don't know if it was maybe the camera angle or whatever, but I was at you know we talked about it last night we were looking at the size of the of the defense on 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 the patriots and they were fucking zooming around closing up gaps hitting guys early it was you know five guy pileups just stopping every single run play that they would run and what was crazy too is that they didn't really run rpo yesterday like i didn't see any of the potential option i didn't see any of that and, and i don't know if it's because ingram is not 100 healthy or they don't trust the uh the, the backup running back in, in baltimore but I was I was really stunned to see that anemic of a performance from um, from Gus Edwards and, and and Lamar Jackson. They did a bit. Um, they they ran it a bit, and like I mean, weather played a role, but that doesn't change of what we've seen from Lamar in his career. He's just not. He's he's if they're down, they're out because he can't throw you back in it. Like he's just not good enough with his arm to throw you back in it. Uh, in big games, he's he's never been good. They haven't. When's the last time they won a big game or prime? You know, they beat in his the, in his career as a quarterback never. Yeah, I mean, three I, big against their, their Patriots aren't even the best team, but it was you know a big prime time game and they they kind of needed to win to keep up with Pittsburgh, at least in some capacity in the standings. Um, but it's just I, I do not believe in Lamar Jackson. I do not believe he's he's the the quarterback that he has the reputation of being for whatever reason right now. Um, but yeah, you're right. I don't know if you saw Cam Newton's post game thing um but he's basically he basically said uh bill belichick is, is football jesus um he's like the, the game <laughs> the game went exactly uh, he, he essentially said you know i don't know how he does it but the game went exactly the way coach said it was going to go all week and the exact way that coach prepared us for it to go all week so he's like I, like you know he gave belichick all the credit for for coaching them to a spot and as and, well he should yeah for preparing them all week for the way the exact way the game ended up going um so yeah I, let's for all the talk about uh so far this year about belichick not being as good without brady like i disagree belichick has no talent on that team and the fact that they're even somewhat close in the division is uh i think that's a testament to how good he is I got a doorbell ring. I don't know what the fuck's happening today, dude. It, it's crazy. I, I have an Amazon delivery. Seconds. Um, let's run through the uh, playoff hunt picture. When I come back, if you want to get it started, I'll be right behind you. Uh, like people leave me alone. I'm recording a podcast here. No one understands.
while we have the break, thanks to all you guys tuning in live, um, watching on Twitch. This will be a <laughs> we'll make it an ad break. Uh, thanks for everybody watching the live live cast on Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash Chef Mateus. We do this every week, and uh, we love the feedback actively and the questions and all that come in. So keep it going. Uh, and now why, that you're back after a, our ad break, <laughs> why is there a dog walker here? I don't own a dog. You do now. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine, imagine some lady just came up with me with like a cute ass little dog. It's like, here you go. Be like, all right, sweet. This is yours now. Uh, you want to start in the AFC? Uh, yeah, we can start AFC. All right. So, uh, Steelers at one. They're weird. Uh, yeah, Steelers at one. Um, they are nine and zero, first in the AFC. They're playing the Jaguars at one o'clock this week. Uh, I'm pretty sure we can win and see them go ten and zero. Chiefs are second at eight and one. Uh, they're playing the eight twenty game against the Raiders, which could be a fucking fun one. Uh, like you said, Raiders are sneaky good. That could get kind of interesting. Yeah, the Raiders Bills beat them third. earlier. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's their one loss. So I mm -hmm. think, I mean, granted, the Chiefs are going to LA. I would love to see what that line is come Thursday this week. Uh, it could be, it could be pretty interesting. I don't see them being favored the way they normally are at ten. Uh, I could see this being like a three and a half uh three and a half you know maybe five and a half point game um depending on what vegas wants to do with it the bills at seven and three are in third um you think they're a little fraudulent i think they're good i think they have a bye this week if i'm not mistaken um heading into week 11 i don't see them on the schedule so yeah they have a bye this week coming up uh which means that they get to fucking recover from that cardinals loss which was an absolute <laughs> heartbreaker um the colts are at fourth I don't really want to talk to them. I think they're fraudulent as fuck, and they can suck my absolute balls. Yeah, I, um, I still think Tennessee puts it together and wins that division. I think I agree. Um, the Colts are playing the Packers. The Packers are going Indian. Fraudulent fucking teams going up head to head. I think Packers in that one. We'll see what the odds are come Thursday. Um, Raiders in fifth after beating the absolute shit out of the fucking Broncos. Um, they're playing the Chiefs, which we already mentioned. In sixth. We have the sneaky, sneaky good, very defensive Miami Dolphins. Um, I feel like they might whoop some ass uh, come playoff. Um, and the Ravens uh, in seventh. Uh, I think these are probably going to change after tonight's game. We're going to get a little bit more motion around um, uh, in the NFC. But on the bubble right now, you have the Titans, Browns, Patriots. I don't know how the Broncos are still on the bubble. Uh the Bengals, the Chargers, uh, Texans, Jaguars, and of course we'll mention the Jets. Uh, we say on the bubble very loosely here. Um, <laughs> in my opinion, the three teams that ha are, are you know are going to be really interesting. You know, in the next three weeks are probably going to be um, Tennessee, Cleveland, and New England. Uh, everybody else, I think, is pretty much out of contention here for for a playoff spot. I think those are actually I think those are essentially the three teams that will compete for for a wild card spot right now could compete for a wild card spot yeah it's going to come down to well a it's going to depend on who wins the afc east i i think miami wins it i i'm a little bit biased but i, I think just the way miami's playing right now and the the schedules between miami and, and buffalo what they have left i think miami wins that division um the the ravens are not winning their division they're they're done already they're they're three games behind it's not going to happen um so i think your wild card is gonna come down to uh oh and the, the raiders aren't going to win their division um I think the no. Chiefs, I think the Chiefs beat them this week. The Chiefs are too good. They they keep going. 
Um, so I think your wild card is going to come down to Raiders, um, whichever team doesn't win the AFC East, and then Baltimore, Cleveland, and uh, either Tennessee or Indy, whichever team doesn't win the, the AFC South there. I don't think New England. I don't okay. think New England's not good enough to get into that picture. I don't think I, mathematically they're 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 just two games out, but they're not good enough to get into that picture. Um, on the NFC side, which I still again it's it's a total fucking fraud, but um, you're looking at Packers, Saints, Cardinals, Eagles, Bucks, Rams, and Seahawks. Um, on the bubble, you have the Bears, the Lions, and the Niners. I think we can kind of just rub the Niners out of this uh, altogether. Yeah, no um, Garoppolo, no Kittle. They're, they're, uh, no, they're, they're done this yeah. year. I think the Bears get wiped tonight as well because uh, I have them losing to, to to the Vikings. It's questionable, I know, but I, I'm taking I'm taking the Vikes on this one. So the wild card is the Bears have changed play callers. So Nagy's not going to call plays anymore. He handed it off to Bill Lazor, who uh, called plays for a while in Miami. Uh, before he, you know, moved on to to other teams uh, in different roles, but it's hard to say. Nobody really knows what they're going to be. It's going to be a mystery. I do think they needed some type of change up on offense. And if you're not going to go back to Trubisky, who is not good, if you're going to stick with Foles, I think this might be what they needed. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I guess we'll we'll find out tonight. Uh, Minnesota does not have a very good defense. This year, it doesn't seem. I know they've they've kind of got their stuff together the past couple weeks, um, and they've won a couple in a row. But I don't know. Uh, Chicago's going to be kind of a mystery now. They certainly have the defense to keep themselves in the picture. Um, you know, they yeah. they can hold anybody under twenty, which is crazy in the NFL these days. If they can get any kind of fire under that offense, then they can they can kind of make some noise um, and 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 put a wild card. I don't I don't think they'll catch Green Bay for the division. Um, it's no. certainly possible, but I, I don't think they can catch Green Bay for the division, but they can definitely make some noise in the wild card. I have one interesting note here, um, which is the Eagles at three, five, and one. Um, well, I think they're what three, six, and one now after losing to the Giants. Um, and the Giants pushing up at, at, uh, where are they? They're three and seven. Yeah, at, at three and seven. Um, I could see the Giants winning the division there. I know this is going to sound crazy, but I think they might have a run. They play hard for Judge. I think they um, do. Yeah, I think the Giants do win that division. After after what I saw this week and, and you know, what the uh, final outcome was of that game, I mean, Carson Wentz, I didn't want to text any of the – there's a couple of guys here in the complex that I live in that are that are Eagles fans, and I, I didn't want to fuck them because, you know, for weeks they've just been yelling about how good this Eagles team could be. And for them to to lose like that to to Daniel Jones and that team, I don't know. I, I feel like there might be a little bit of resurgence. Um, I, I I know. Um, I want to say the Giants also have a bye this week. Uh, I don't see them listed on week eleven. Week twelve, they're back against the Bengals, which could be fun, right? DJ versus Burrow. Um, but that's two weeks away, so they're going to go into a bye week with a little bit of time to get healthy, get right, and and prep. I could see them eking out. I mean, on the flip side. You also have, let's see, yeah, you have the Seahawks and the Eagles on Monday night, uh, on in Week Twelve, and I think they have the Browns this week coming up. So it, I mean, I could see the Eagles falling off, man. I, I could really see them taking two L's in a row. The Giants coming up and kind of sneakily taking the division. I don't think that they're a playoff upset. In no, fact, I don't think nobody that in that division. Not at all. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. But I, I do think that they're going to be the 
the team to kind of round everything out. They're going to be the one NFC East team that, that actually makes a run in the playoffs this year or a run to the playoffs this year. Everybody else seems kind of standard. I mean, you know, the Seahawks getting their uh, wild card, the Rams chasing the Bucks are fine. The Cards, the Saints, and the Packers. I don't know. I think, you know, I think that buy is probably going to end up going to the Bucks, but we'll see what happens over the next few weeks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody in the NFC East is a threat, but I do think the Giants win that division. The Eagles are just really bad. Um, All right. And like I said, as a whole, I think the NFC comes down to the Bucks, Rams, probably. I mean, the Packers might find their way in there, but I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think they're good enough to beat a couple of those teams if they're if they put everything together. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm 100 with you. All right, last call of the night. We got Monday night, Minnesota, going to Chicago. Three and a half, Vikings are favored. Do you take it? Yes or no? Uh, three and a half. I think I like Chicago actually. Really? Yeah, yeah. Their defense hmm. is their defense is so good. It's hard for me to imagine Minnesota like I, Dalvin Cook's not going to run wild, and Kirk Cousins is absolutely dreadful in primetime games his entire career. Um, getting more than a that, that key number of three there, I think I take the dog there. I, I think I like Chicago. And okay. it's, that's solely – I, I, I've been saying all week I think Minnesota wins the game, but I, I take Chicago solely because of the line here. Yeah, I, and, and I can understand that. I, I think if we straight up, which if we're looking at our uh, our big man pool that we do every week here, um, let me just double check. I want to make sure we're all – all things considered, we're, we're still – we're still – hello? I think, yeah, everybody has the same picks, which was we, we all took – we all took Baltimore and we all took Minnesota um, for the for the pool. I understand why you wouldn't take it at three and a half. I think Minnesota probably is a touchdown, maybe a touchdown winner in this game. We'll see what happens. Um, but I got faith, man. We'll, we'll see what happens tonight. And um, hopefully, hopefully, and some money. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I had a monster weekend in college, so like nothing the NFL can do to me will uh <laughs> will hurt my feelings this week. Next week might be a different story, but this week this week the NFL can't hurt me. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, shit, we've been at it for a while. You got anything to plug? We have. This is, this is a long episode. Um, yeah, we got some NBA craziness going on, man. Um, nothing to plug. Mm. Like I said during our impromptu ad break, there, I you know appreciate everybody that tunes in live. Um, you know, keeps us keeps us going with the feedback and chat, um, gives questions, all the stuff you do, and thanks to everybody that listens on Spotify. Um, we we uh, we grow numbers, I think, every week for for streams and and uh, you know, for some reason, you guys like listening to us. So uh, <laughs> we, we we appreciate it. We hope to keep it going. Hope to keep it growing. Um, and, you know, we we with our little podcast network growing here, we we look forward to to you guys continuing to listen and, and you guys help spreading the word and, and getting more listeners in here each week. So thanks. We appreciate it. Um, you know, we, yeah, we, we absolutely. do it, we do it for you guys to listen. So, yeah. And if, uh, you know, like we keep saying, if you don't like any of the takes, you got something to say something to ask memes, to say, Phil rivers being an absolute dickhead, please send them our way. <laughs> They're very much, uh, very much appreciated. Uh, tonight or tomorrow, I'll talk to Matt when we get off uh, off pod and, and figure out the logistics of maybe doing a little live draft. I don't want to do it too long, maybe like the first 10 or 20 picks just to see what happens. Um, but, you know, like I said, between today, tomorrow, and Wednesday, a lot of 
fucking weirdness could happen in the NBA. So I think it could be a lot of fun to talk about come Wednesday night. Um, other than that, I think we're good for this Monday afternoon, early evening episode of the Enco. Uh, I'm Milo. Matt's on the other side. If you guys, again, have anything to say or do, don't be afraid to drop us a line and uh, we'll chat you out on the show. Yeah, and uh, we'll see you guys. Maybe see you guys Wednesday night, but uh, definitely see you guys on Thursday. Um, as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Um, we got good vaccine news this morning, so you know, staying healthy might might be might be easier. Come Sell Moderna stock. <laughs> Sell all your Moderna stock. Do it now. Cake out while you can. It's about damn time. Uh, Later, guys. Yeah. Peace, everybody. <laughs>